Welcome to Group Work. I'm your host, Katie K. May, and I interview mental health therapists to find out what happens in the space where group therapy takes place. Take a deep breath and find your seat inside the circle. This episode of Group Work is about to get started. Today on Group Work, I'm excited to welcome one of my favorite people, Hannah Hefner. Hannah is a licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. She's the lead clinician and site supervisor of the Philadelphia location of Creative Healing Teen Support Center. Hannah has a passion for working with teens and young adults who are exploring their identity and holds a post-master certificate in affirmative therapy for transgender communities, is a strong advocate of of transgender, gender non-conforming, gender expansive, and non-binary teens, and she runs an LGBTQ support group at Creative Healing. To learn more about Hannah, please visit creativehealingphilly.com slash Hannah Hefner. So today I am welcoming Hannah Hefner to the Group Work Podcast. Hannah, welcome. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here today. Tell us a little bit about you and the group that you're running at Creative Healing. I'm a white queer cis female, and I run an LGBTQ plus group uh, for teens. And so that really runs the whole spectrum of LGBTQ youth at ages from 14 to 18. I am so thankful for this group that you run. We're going to dig into all of those details today so our listeners can really benefit from hearing what it is you do and how you do it and how you help these teens. Before we go there, I'm curious to know what you were like in high school. Tell us a fun fact about you as a teen. That's a great question. I used to go on walks with my best friend and just to get out of the house as a typical teen does. (laughs) And um, we would notice that uh, our street lamp lights would go out every so often on our walks. And uh, we started thinking that it was a sign or due to our like powers within our conversation that somehow it like led to um, a greater purpose whenever it would happen on our walks. I love this idea so much that you as teenagers had this power to make things happen and shift in your environment. This like Great example of the magical thinking of our teens. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really cool to hear about how you felt like you had an impact on your environment when you were a teen, especially considering the impact you're having on so many teens in our community right now. I'm curious if you can share with us what led you to this work in the LGBTQ community and working with teens. Yeah. So I guess it... It took some time. I think I didn't really notice that I wanted to work within this this niche and this population. I think for, for some time, I, I had difficulty identifying as queer. So I think once I became more comfortable with that self-disclosure and realizing how beneficial it would be to have a queer role model for these teens, uh, that led me to you know see a niche. Also, we were getting inquiries for other um, groups in, in, the, in the area. Uh, so that that really empowered me to say like, okay, we need to do this work and I need to kind of step up and and be a role model for these uh, teens. I love this so much that you were able to go through your your own journey of self-discovery and self-identity. And through that process, you were able to, to find a place to help support other teens through this process as well. Can you share with us 
who is a good fit for your group? Is it someone who's still questioning? Is it someone who is firm in their identity? What what does the ideal group member look like for you? Yeah, great question. Typically, the teens kind of range the whole gamut within the the rainbow spectrum. So uh, identifying lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, pansexual, asexual, (laughs) agender, anyone is really welcome. They can be questioning, they can be experimenting with all parts of their identity. But that is really the the core (laughs) reason that they would be seeking support for this in this group. So really anyone who is questioning or across the spectrum of of LGBTQ identities is an appropriate fit for your teen group. I know you also mentioned that it's mostly high school teens, an age when we're all figuring out who we are anyway. Tell us about the structure of your group. How much of it is planned versus support or process or free-flowing? Give us a glimpse inside. Sure. So for the majority of my group, I guess I would say it's more process oriented, but there's a lot of validation and psychoeducation that happens. So the the basic bones of the the group is an opening sort of check in what happened during their week, anything that they might want to get feedback from other group members or from uh, me as the group leader. And so we kind of open it up from there and anything that, you know, may evolve from the conversation or interest from the group members might lead to then more conversation and feedback. Uh, And then we end up then closing the group. At times, nothing really happened. Typical teens like to say, oh, nothing happened. It's it's been boring. So then I usually lead into a structured activity, either working on certain coping skills to manage, you know, adversity uh, that might have happened within their environments or within themselves. And, and sort of leading into more of a structured activity and then a closure. So this is something that I think is so important and that I found in my groups as well, is that there are some weeks when there's a lot of content, when group members are coming in and really requesting support or needing to share and, and get feedback from their members. And there are other weeks when it's been a low-key week, there's not a lot going on, and a plan B is really necessary in order to make the group space fulfilling or um, meaningful for that week. So it sounds like you you have both things prepared, both the space for them, as well as some kind of structured activity in case no one has anything going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's so nice to have plan plan B and C in your back pocket. (laughs) Yes, for sure. As we're talking about the structure of group and the kinds of activities that you may run, what's a favorite group activity that you've done or that your group members have really resonated with? Yeah, so recently, uh, I led this group uh, talking more about positive experiences um, within their identities. And uh, that is basically because a lot of our work tends to focus on a lot of the struggles, a lot of the negative experiences that they may face. And that's also how the media is portrayed um, LGBTQ people and how the medical field pathologizes. So a lot of times we kind of focus on these things and, um, I want to at times kind of pull back and actually change the focus onto more positive experiences within their identities. So most recently we talked about uh, euphoric experiences, whether it be a part of their gender identity or their sexual orientation. And so that basically led to uh, really wonderful conversations that they could connect on and feel validated and normalized in their experiences and not necessarily connecting on something that was hard, but something that was really empowering and affirming for them. So some like moments I can share from that would be, you know, a 
a person might be sharing the first time they're hearing their pronouns or their name within a group or, you know, sharing uh, how their attraction to maybe uh, someone on the television, sharing it with their family member and feeling seen and heard or holding romantic partner's hand in public for the first time. And so the list can go on and on. Uh, but in that group, you could really see all the teens really light up and, and smile and laugh and really welcome these personal experiences within the group. And oftentimes there were sort of people laughing and clapping and pointing, just like all these affirmative gestures, which was really nice to, to see and witness as the group leader. I love this these examples and this experience as you're sharing, I'm feeling my heart fill and that that sense of connection, what I call like the group buzz, like when you're in the group experience and it's flowing and you're feeling that connection. What was it like for you as a group leader in that moment? What was your sense, your felt sense of being there? Hmm. Yeah, that buzz. Yeah, it's a great word because I, I think I definitely resonated with that where I at times like I've definitely, I'm a, I'm a crier, so I'll get choked up and like kind of express that to the group. Like, oh, it's so nice to see. And I think for me, it's being in that euphoric state, actually seeing all of these, you know, these teams light up. So that brings me euphoria. And also just recognizing how much privilege and gratefulness that I get to witness these things and share the space with them. Yes, thank you for sharing that experience. It makes me wonder about your role in this group. You mentioned being a queer role model, and I think that's so important for our teens to to see and and connect with. So what's your take on self-disclosure in the group? How much of your own information and journey do you share as a part of this group? This is a really great question for for new therapists and for people that are interested in this uh, type of group, because I think as a lot of other therapists in the field, we're kind of taught to, you know, be blank slate, uh, not really share things about personal details or experiences. And I think, in fact, in this group, in this particular group, it's so important to share and be a role model to, to let them know that life can go on and get better. <laughs> and it's not always maybe so much a struggle, especially in teenage years. Uh, so at times, I definitely will share if a, a client or team, especially in the group, will ask me direct questions about my own experiences and how I overcome them or how I manage certain things still now. Um, so I think uh, I use it to the benefit of the group and to benefit the client if it's, if it's useful for them. But I, it's definitely been a growing edge that I am learning more and more to, to do this to benefit them. Yeah, I think it's such an important concept to highlight just in terms of the authenticity that is required, I believe in general within a group process. And also, as you mentioned, providing hope and these positive, you know, further along, being further along on the journey than them and showing them that you can have a life worth living and that you can have some of these things that may feel unattainable to them right now. So it, it generates hope, I would assume. Yeah, and, and I think that's my larger goal for this group is to really instill hope and resiliency for their future. Because I think at times, like many marginalized folk, but within the queer community, there there are times when they don't see it. And especially as a teen, it's it's really hard to see in, in, in their future. But I think that's our larger topics and our larger themes are really trying to instill hope and resiliency for them. Absolutely. I think that's so important. So as we're talking about 
our teens' environments and maybe what supports they have or don't have naturally. I'm curious about the differences that you found in running this group online versus running it within an office. Just what have you noticed in terms of their accessibility, their ability to share within their home? Yeah. Give us some details. Yeah, I think I was really concerned at the beginning that they were going to feel safe um, to really disclose and be authentically themselves because that was one thing that was kind of out of my control. And I realized how much I relied on being in person in the office to create that safe uh, space for them. So that was, I guess, the initial sort of like discomfort with being on the online space. But, and then other sort of things that have definitely been impacted, just like a little bit more awkwardness, distraction, disconnection, um, just because they're not in person. Teens might have their camera off or mute themselves. So the, the conversation may not flow as easily. But the, there have definitely been some pros. There's definitely been a nice shift in teens being able to access our virtual space. And when they may not have gotten a ride from a parent or maybe weren't given, I guess, the time, because now we have a lot more time at home, there, there have been more group members to access our group. And then also group members being able to see other people's environments and connect on that level as well. Uh, sharing, you know, pets and um, things in their room. But I think the biggest thing that I've noticed in particular to this group is that teens can be more authentically themselves and in their uh, gender expression. So a lot of times when a teen might be experimenting with different clothes or how they want to present, they'd have to kind of in person go before group and after group to the bathroom and might be this like awkward social dance that would then increase a, a lot of anxiety for people. So in this case, when we're online, they can just be in their room, just show up, and there's not this sort of social anxiety that um, would typically impact them. And another thing would be how Zoom can, you can just like change their name. They can have their name and pronouns just up for each group. So even if they want to try out a new name or a pronoun that authentically represent themselves, there's no sort of like coming out process. We just see it right there and we can use it um, appropriately each time that they want to join group. This is so important and definitely one of the pros of being in the online space. So I heard you share that there's, there's increased accessibility. Maybe there's, you know, they're further out than they may have been able to access a group in person, or they have less natural support in terms of getting them, driving them to group, making group a priority. So there's the logistical things that make the online space really helpful for them. But then there's these other pieces that I may not have even considered without you highlighting them, the ability to be in your own space, wear what you want to wear, not have to show up in one way, and then change to be more authentically yourself for this group experience. And then the this important piece about your name and pronouns being right there on the screen, not having the emotional labor of having to come out again and again for new members or remind people of your pronouns. I think that that is such a helpful reminder of how we can use technology to our benefit to really affirm our teens in this experience. Yeah, definitely. That's been so nice to see too and things I hadn't thought about either. Yeah. What would you say as you're talking about your group and the different parts of it, what's something that stands out to you as like a favorite moment or really a light in your group experience? Yeah, I think I have so many to choose from, but I think, you know, what we were just talking about seeing teens really experiment and be who they are in group and feel so safe and, and welcomed by group members and celebrated even. 
that a few moments of just like, you know, a teen wanting to dress certain way to, to try it out and see how they feel. And the other group members like applauding and, and celebrating them or, you know, a teen kind of sharing that they like, they came out to more people and it's no longer just this like safe place, but they came out to a teacher or a friend and, you know, being excited about sharing that experience and how teens recently, a teen has been transitioning and their voice is starting to shift throughout their group um, experience. And teens are noticing that and they're really excited for the group member throughout this process. So that's been really nice to kind of see all these changes and celebrate people. Thank you for sharing that and for highlighting these aspects of it. I, I think about the teen who may not be out to family, who is at a higher risk level, we know that there's an increased risk for suicide among our LGBTQ teens. And so from my perspective as a DBT therapist, I'm always thinking with that frame of reference in mind. And what you're sharing is that there's these, these really beautiful celebratory moments within this group that that not only provide the space for holding their their pain and their challenges and their difficulties, but also celebrating each other. And that, you know, I, I'm noticing my like tears welling up thinking about that process of you're providing the space for acceptance and change and celebration and just so important to to our teens and what they need in this time. Yeah, it's 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 been really wonderful to to see that, and like you said, be able to hold all of all of the components of these identities and see them thrive. Are there any tools or resources that you found helpful in running this group that you can pass on to other therapists? Yeah, there's a lot of great workbooks out there that I typically pull from just for topics or activities for this group. One in particular that I've been really more obsessed with recently is called the Queer and Transgender Resilience Workbook. And it has all different types of uh, activities and prompts that, you know, talk about being queer and also trans or gender non Other than that, I think I've used a lot of structure on the online space. Other than that, it's, uh, I feel like I'm using a lot more online interactive tools, such as like the, the whiteboard on Zoom or Jamboard on Google or sharing or watching videos or social media posts, uh, just to kind of expand, you know, not just discussion and my voice. <laughs> yeah. And I think, again, that's one of those pros of the online space is how easily we can access videos and resources without any extra tools within the office. So it's nice to have them at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I do miss a lot of the sort of tangible tools that we had as I, you know, I am an art therapist. So at times we would use creative means or that they could at least, you know, use it during group if they were sort of needing an extra outlet because they were feeling more anxious. So I do miss that in, in, in person. And it, it's been nice to actually expand and try out new things though as well. I'm so glad you mentioned that because you are an amazing art therapist. Are there any art activities or interventions that you would recommend or that worked well within this group? So I think I have definitely used it <laughs> as more of a, an expressive means. So not using really formal art therapy because it's not the nature of the group. But I've used some activities where we made we made like a group flag and really targeting all of the parts of the identities within the group makeup and using symbols and different artistic means to celebrate our identities on a group flag. So that was hanging in our office. And another one that I like to use as well as kind of talking about how they have changed over time. So like sort of 
uh, before, present, and future versions of themselves. So whether it be actually drawing themselves in certain environments or writing and drawing using symbols or line, shape, and color about like who they were when they were younger, who they are now, and where they want to be and who they want to be as, you know, in the future. So that could be the future in five years or 20 years, but really, again, trying to instill hope for what they want to accomplish and who they want to be in their lives. Yes, I love these ideas. And I'm also picturing the flag that I've seen in the office. It seemed like such a powerful symbol of taking ownership of a space where they can really be themselves. And I think that's so important. And so these are really amazing activities and ideas for other therapists to bring into their group spaces as well. Yeah, I hope so. I, that's the the whole reason that we are talking about this, right? We want people to learn and share. I really want to make a, a group space that's safe and inclusive and that they feel connected and accepted in. 100%. So important. I'm curious about whether you experienced any challenges in, in this group in general or transitioning this group to the online space. What's been difficult for you? There's a lot of difficulties over this time during COVID, but one, I guess, sticks out to me in the beginning of when we switched to this virtual space, the teams were more reserved and I didn't feel like they were connecting as much. It was less cohesive. And so I really wasn't sure if I wanted to continue it and or if it, the group would sustain itself over time because we didn't really know how long it was going to last. So I think in retrospect, some of that was my own anxiety and discomfort of the online space and holding it for everyone. So fast forward to now where it's been many, many months and we've had new group members join and just in the virtual sense. And so when they, when I have new group members uh, join, I typically have everyone uh, share what they get out of group as an existing group member and for group, new group members, ask them, like, what do they want to get out of the group? And so everyone shares. And recently, some of their comments have been so nice and uh, a friendly reminder that this space is so important, whether it be virtual or in the office. Some of the comments have, like, been, I feel safe to explore my gender here. I don't have a lot of queer people in my life at school. Uh, everyone is so nice and welcoming. So Re rehearing these has given me motivation and reinforcement to continue this process despite maybe some own anxiety and it may not seem like it's really working. And this is so important to hear, to be reminded of again and again, is that the space is important, even when we think that it isn't working or people aren't talking mm -hmm. or it's not going perfectly, that holding that space is so it's so meaningful for the group members that the space alone becomes a, a powerful way to, to really feel heard, understood and yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, in hindsight, especially during the pandemic, right. Where people aren't connecting as much because they're, we just can't. And so living in this isolation, I think it was so important and vital for these teens to have this space continue. I agree so much. Connection. It's such a healing entity. Like I think we're social creatures. And so especially our teens that feel more disconnected, they need yeah. the space so much. Mm -hmm. All right, Hannah. So let's say there's a new therapist coming into the field. This is their area of passion. They really want to run LGBTQ groups for teens. What are your top tips for them to get started or get this group out there? Well, I guess, first of all, I would say like, 
great. We need more. Like, I'm so excited for more people to run groups and make it accessible for teens. I think the first step would be if you're interested in really uh, thinking about your own gender and uh, sexual orientation and your journey to that presently and really checking your own biases and your privileges that might impact your clinical work. So that might be also like doing your own research and listen and follow to other queer people that you can then use some of the things that they have shared and use their brilliancy (laughs) and pull it into your own group practice. I think that's so important along these lines of you can only bring someone as far as you've gone on the journey that you have to do your own work before you can bring someone else to that point or hold the space for the people within that, that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Hannah, it's been so amazing to talk with you today. I'm such a fan of you and your work, and I'm sure other people will be as well. So tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to learn more. Thank you, Kate. I mean, this is really a wonderful experience. I'm glad that you're promoting these types of groups and letting other people know about these experiences. So if they want to hear more or know more about me or are interested in this group, I encourage them to look at the Creative Healing page and it's creativehealingphilly.com slash Hannah. Yes. Amazing. Thank you again, Hannah. And I appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, groupie. Thanks for listening. For more resources on how you can market, fill, and run your group in private practice, check me out at becomeagroupguru.com. 